0: Jack's Journal. Sixth- <laughs> July 16th, 2020. These whores and prostitutes finished their podcast over
1: Scott Pilgrim. My city screens.
0: <laughs> That's Batman.
2: I was about
1: to say, it's so Batman. hard to do. Here's it's hard thing. to do that without sounding like Batman.
2: It. He when I watched like the Batman. movie, I was like, he's Batman.
1: He's
0: or- Batman if he was like, if it was a real world.
2: Yeah. Or or is Batman Rorschach. It depends on when the timeline is, I think. So Rorschach is
0: I don't think we give him enough credit for how good a vocabulary he has. Because as soon as I started my impersonation, I was like, I'm the, this is like an inch deep, like my <laughs> my immediate recall of good words to use here. Because that opening monologue when he's like, the, the liars and thieves and whores will scream up at me, save us, and I'll tell them no. Like, so so overdramatic, but anyway. Anyway. You had a thought, Olivia.
2: I was going to say, he has a very good vocabulary for someone who, whose home life and upbringing was terrible.
0: Like, what do, do you think he went to college? There's no way he went There's to college. There's no way to college. No, nope. No. I don't think so. He probably has like a photographic memory though.
2: He, I mean, he's, he's so very smart. well read. Yeah. 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 I just, I don't think he went to college, but he has a very, very high uh, vocabulary for someone who had a terrible upbringing.
0: He's the MacGyver um, arch, armchair <laughs> philosopher of the comic book universe.
2: But he's still not necessarily like great like a great person no but we can talk about that as we get on i'm very excited podcast. to talk
0: about that actually because my viewing experience of watchmen two days ago was actually very enjoyable i had a really good. good time and i upped my rating from from two and a half stars on letterboxd to three and a half stars
2: Ooh,
1: yeah that's, i was yeah, like that's huh. good I, I saw that two and a half stars like i'm gonna have to, slap Isaac next time to see him. <laughs>
0: Well, I think that would be, we'll, we'll be able to divvy or uh, explain to our listeners how we divvied up this episode um, here in a second, but that comment will make sense to everyone. Eric's desire to slap me for my low rating of Zack Snyder's 2009 adaptation of Watchmen. So anyway, I'm Isaac Sims
2: and I am Olivia Clement. And today with us, we have Eric Pham. What's up, Eric?
1: Hey guys, glad to be back on.
0: Greetings and salutations, even though you want to slap me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is Flyover Film Show, a podcast about movies from the perspectives of two people who live in places off forgotten by Hollywood. We keep up with the goings on in Hollywood, but remain very much grounded in Midwest America. And although we can't just up and move to LA, we can still share our love for movies with our friends and neighbors.
0: This is the first episode we are recording covering HBO's Watchmen miniseries, showrunner Damon Lindelof of Leftovers and Lost fame, and it aired last year, 2019. We decided to discuss the show because it takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So this is going to be actually the first show or the first, first podcast series we are doing that is, A, pretty serious and much more serious than our previous Series, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, but you're right, released in 2010. And it's actually true to our motto. This one's actually true to our motto. Um, we're representing things filmed in and representing um, flyover country. And a lot of that's the South, but all of it, it's sorry, it also includes a bunch of states that are just kind of overlooked in film. So, and technically, 2019 Watchmen is a film miniseries um there's all that terminology but we looked into it we're professional, we're counting it we're professional podcasters so we know what we're doing um <laughs> and Watchmen is the hbo series is reflective of our culture in so many ways that it's it's kind of it's sublime and it's also frightening so i'm very excited to discuss it with the three of you but before we jump into that Um, we, this is going to be our final farewell to Scott Pilgrim. As of the recording today, there was a table read. I did not get to read it, but the entire cast got to read the entire script of the movie for Scott Pilgrim versus the world a couple days ago, as of today's July 21st. So do you guys want to share your thoughts on it?
2: Eric, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I thought it was, I just thought it was so cool. All the cast coming together, pretty much the whole cast, except Maybe two or three notable actors and actresses, um, just taking time out of their schedule to do this table read, and it was all for a good cause as well. Um, it was super memorable, and if you're a Scott Pilgrim fan, you should definitely check it out. It's Isaac,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. got to that point where he's uh, he's just straight up, just like just weird.
1: throwing the shade.
2: <laughs> good, <I love> <laughs> he deserves it. But yeah, it's I it's do. great. Uh, if you haven't watched it at this point when this episode is released, which I think will be the end of August, so close to a month, uh, I definitely suggest taking time out of your day or week to go watch it. It's hilarious. They The cast has fun with it, which is great. Uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, who created Scott Pilgrim, he's part of it too. He does drawings during the, the fight scenes because it's all over Zoom. So, so. Obviously, the fight scenes and special effects aren't there. So during that time, he's he's drawing uh, characters from those scenes, which is really awesome. People could have um, bid on them, which is cool. If I had money, I would have. But I'm poor, so anyway. Olivia, uh, yeah. do you
1: think really? uh, yeah. do you think Edgar Wright uh, edited the, the Zoom session and recording? It, it felt like he did. Someone there a lot had of like I saw Edgar it today. stuff.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you could see also as you were watching it, some of the, the like if there was a knock on the door, or a ring, someone ringing the doorbell or something. You could see the, the special effects. So I think, yeah, yeah it had to have been edited. It wasn't just a straight zoom. Right. Right. Um, it would have been
1: awesome, feels Eggeri who edited that. I hope it so. Had a lot of I isms in it.
2: It did. Yeah, and like the scene. The scene where Scott and Stacy are on the phone the first time when he oh, when finds out. Oh, that was so good. It, it's set up almost exactly like it is in the movie, which is really cool. So, yeah, I, Edgar Wright had to have had a say in how it was at, ele- edited, at least, you know?
1: I love how, have, like, It would have been awesome if it was later. edited by uh, Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> 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 My favorite thing was, like, I love how, like, 10 years later, how all the cast still, like, gets in. To the characters so much, and like yes they, like they haven't missed a beat, my favorite was Oppie Plaza. she was hilarious
2: she, she was in there. yes, I love that she even brought her own like box yeah, to cover her mouth so as she's like saying the f word that was hilarious um yeah it was it was great it the only people who weren't there were Johnny Simmons, who plays young Neil, uh Kieran Colkin, who plays Wallace, and then Brie Larson, who plays um. Envy. Envy. I was going to say Natalie, but then I was like, well, that is technically her name. Oh, Captain but Marvel. Captain Marvel.
0: You <laughs> uh, ruined the MCU.
2: Fanboys are the worst. <laughs> anyway.
0: I like Michael Sarah with that scraggly beard. That would have been awesome if he had had that beard for the entirety of Scott Pilgrim, like the movie. I'm a fan of it. I don't know why. Like, I think it's just, I'm so you, maybe it just makes him look older. I was going to say, different. he looks less yeah. baby face. <laughs> yes.
2: yep. He actually looks say. like an adult. Uh, I think it would have actually worked for the character of Scott too.
1: Yeah. Or the pseudo sure. mustache.
2: <laughs> yes. His, <laughs> his mustache. Oh man. All right. All right.
1: Well,
0: farewell, Scott Pilgrim. We'll definitely discuss you again, but we don't know.
2: Scott Pilgrim Wait, will be I referenced say, again. We,
0: yeah. We will discuss them again, but we don't know when. And you once were a vegan, but now you will be gone.
2: Be gone? Be gone. <laughs> oh, man. It's so good. All right. Okay. Let's talk about Watchmen, which is let's, also good.
0: Watchmen's really good. Freaking uh, times, the, like on the 100 best novels of the last 100 yes. years. Let's talk about that. And it's the how it's only. It, yeah.
2: It's the only comic book or graphic novel to make it.
0: It's is... literature. Yes. And it was a good 2009 movie. Like a pretty good 2009 movie. Did y'all know that Arnold Schwarzenegger almost played Dr. Manhattan?
1: Yeah, you, er- you stole of my trivia fun facts. I have a whole, oh. whole bunch more. Sorry, about, I particularly about the there. cast. There's a lot of interesting things about the cast and the history of the movie that we'll we'll get into later.
0: I ju- I jumped forward. I stole some of your thunder um i'm not i'm not doing much to help our relationship here eric
1: (laughs) i feel the tension i feel the tension today
0: (laughs) i think it's good for the podcast do it for the pod (laughs) do it for the pod for the pod for the pod (laughs) um i didn't know that the that um neil gaiman also can like help like consulted on the graphic novel i don't know if y'all knew that There's just I just had a couple like tidbits of information because for for those of you who are listening who don't know about the the graphic novel like and and you might be our age you might have seen a trailer for the Watchmen movie which came out in like 2009 the trailer like blew me away because it was uh his Doctor Man or uh, what's his name. John Osterman's transformation into Dr. Manhattan and like turning blue and exploding. And there were the, just the big yellow words on the screen showing like from the most celebrated graphic novel of all time, like of all time, like, and it is, it Mm -hmm. is that good. It captures the paranoia of the eighties of the cold war and like nuclear Armageddon could be around the corner. It's set in a different world, but there are so many parallels that it feels similar And, um, you know, a bunch of, like, Rorschach is kind of like Batman, and Dr. Manhattan's kind of like Superman, and they originally were going to be, like, Adam and Blue Beetle and some actual DC characters, but DC made him write original characters because they knew that it was going to be really dark, and they didn't want to, like, taint those characters' backgrounds, so... This is this graphic novel is a big deal. It's really important kind of in the overall landscape of comics and graphic novels but also literature. Like it is widely respected and um heralded as like one of the one of the great pieces of like written and drawn art. So anyway, that's my that's my piece about the graphic novel. We're splitting it up. I was doing graphic novel Eric is a big fan of the movie, so he's kind of covering that. And then uh, Olivia's going to kick off our discussion of the HBO show, which came out last
1: All right. So am I up for the movies now? Yep. All right. So when I was uh, uh, getting ready for this little portion, I thought it would be cool to talk about the journey to the Watchmen movie. Uh, if you don't know, it went through a pretty uh, significant amount of changes. Um from when it was originally like signed up to be a movie to the actual movie that came out. So I uh, put together a little timeline that I'll walk through um, of events for how the movie uh, came to be and what ultimately came out. And I'll just start with, it actually started back in 1986 uh, when the, the graphic novel came out. Fox Studios snatched up the rights to the Watchmen movie and as we all know, Warner Brothers was the studio that ultimately released the movie that came out in 2009. But it came, uh, Fox was the original uh, rights holder for the movie. It spent five years in development with Fox, and it was helmed by Sam Hamm. He was the uh, screenwriter for Tim Burton's Batman, oh. uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh they hit a lot of roadblocks while it was at Fox and Fox ultimately put the movie in turnaround, which is when the studio gives up on developing the movie and the producers take it elsewhere. So um, they, they put the in turnaround in 1991. So the producer of the movie um, decided to look at other studios that could, could make the movie. And it was during this time that there there was some paperwork and when they were moving the, the, the property around the different studios, they didn't uh, do everything correctly. And this ultimately came back to bite them when Fox sued Warner brothers. But that, that doesn't happen until like 2008. So uh, the movie is still floating around uh, to different studios. while it's trying to be, to be made. Um, so in the 1990s, uh, the producer, Larry, Larry Gordon is his name. He took it to Warner brothers and, um, but there were a lot of challenges there as well uh, that we can talk about. Uh, the main ones that they uh, faced was the the story of Watchmen, it just had too many unfamiliar heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, all the superhero movies that were coming out at the time, they were like X Men, Blade, uh, all at least recognizable like superheroes. Whereas Watchmen, if you just asked somebody off the street, like who's Rorschach or Dr. Manhattan, they, they'd have no idea, right? Right. So that was the main complaint from Warner Brothers that it was too too many unfamiliar heroes. The the story uh, of the comic was way too complex and lengthy to be adapted into a movie. Um, so Warner Brothers uh, ultimately swatted it down, and the producer then took it to Universal in 2001, and there it was all, fell into the lap of another another screenwriter named David Hayter, uh, who was the screenwriter for X Men One and Two, um, I think two really good superhero movies um uh lo and behold three years there they couldn't get into they couldn't create the movie either so in 2004 they took it to paramount um and if you're keeping count this is now the fourth studio that that uh watchman has been at but i didn't
2: realize i didn't realize it went through all all of this i knew it took a long time to get it made obviously it took it was written in 86 and Nothing came of it until 2009. But geez,
1: yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a journey, and we're not even like completely there there, there yet. And uh, so they're they're here at Paramount now, uh, the producer, and it was at Paramount where it actually got like the most movement and had the the highest likelihood of being made into a movie. Um, the two names attached to it, there were actually two directors attached to it. Um, at one point while I was at Paramount, Darren Arnofsky was uh set to direct wow, it.
0: That would have been wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would have been really wild. Um, of course we know him from like Black Swan and, and the Wrestler. The the reason why Paramount uh, pushed off on that was because Darren Arnofsky wanted to set it in modern times and that was during like the Iraq war. And uh that they they thought that was gonna be oh, too edgy, word. I guess. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> can
0: you imagine? Oh like, my if gosh. We were, yeah, that yeah. would have been it. Yeah. If, oh man, if entertainment was where it
1: is now that been,
2: during
0: the Iraqi war.
1: Yeah. Whoa, oh man. wow. Yeah, that would have
2: been dark.
1: That's what that's exactly what the uh the big heads at Paramount were thinking. So they said uh no to that. <laughs> and they gave they gave that to uh they gave they ultimately gave it to Paul Greengrass, as we know from like the Bourne movies and Captain Phillips, but he gave it up there as well. Okay,
0: we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsor, Ready, Set, Podcast. They are our producer for Flyover Film Show. They have prices to fit any budget, options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters, and they make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help you record, edit, and publish all this work taken off your plate so that you can just focus on your idea. And if you do have an idea, they can give you a free consultation. If you reach out to them on their website or social media, they're located at www. Ready Set Podcast. XYZ. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality.
1: All right. So after Paul Greengrass um, was given the movie, the budget began to blow up and then its journey at Paramount came, abrupt end. So we're in 2005 now and Watchmen comes full circle back to Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers is is riding a pretty good high at this time. They just released Batman Begins. And so they, they're they wanting to, you know, get in on this uh, superhero comic book movie uh, success. And then enters the semi-unknown at the time, Zack Snyder. Um, Zack Snyder was announced director of Watchmen in 2006, and no one really knew who he was at the time because uh his his most notable movie three hundred it it hadn't come out yet it, it didn't come out until two thousand and seven okay. so you know all the um the diehards of the comic book movie or of the comic were were afraid that this movie was gonna be like a train wreck because it was given to the given to this relatively unknown i think the only thing he had directed up to that point was Dawn of the dead uh, I think it was a remake
2: mm-hmm. yeah it was
1: so yeah so he was the so he was given that and uh warner brothers they they had an idea of what they were doing actually um because they knew what they had with him in in 300 and they had already known that 300 was going to be somewhat successful and his vision for 300 was what ultimately uh got him this gig for watchmen um we all know 300 to be pretty gory and and graphic at it looks like a comic. Uh, it's got the epic dialogue, and it has the this, this signature you know, Zack Snyder slow-motion shots. So 300 comes out. Everyone loves the decision because 300 uh, was a massive success. And so Zack Snyder is pretty much on board to direct this, and it was during this that there were a lot of big names that were being connected to Watchmen. Uh, at one point, the uh, one I found interesting was Keanu Reeves was – uh, rumored to be cast as Doctor Manhattan.
0: Whoa,
2: interesting.
1: That would have been Sorry. a super Whoa. interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then there were a lot of other uh, big names I can run down later. But they they ultimately decided to go with relatively unknowns, all because of the budget, of course. Mm. Um, so they cast relatively unknown actors at the time, uh, some decent, some pretty good actors, and and now some actors today who have. Um, I guess over 10 years later, have found some pretty good success. So they finally fil- started filming in 2007. That's, I guess, almost over, a little bit over 20 years after the comic came out. And the movie was slated to come out in 2009, I think, of March. Then in 2008, all of a sudden, Fox sued Warner Brothers, saying that they still had rights to the movie. Um, the people at Warner Brothers thought nothing would happen come of this because uh, the movie was just about to come out and that the courts would move too slow to do anything. And then uh, in, on Christmas Eve of 2008, the lawsuit was ruled in favor of Fox, and uh, everyone was really worried that this movie was going to be like, canned and that we'd never see it. But they, they ended up coming to a settlement in 2009 with Fox, and Fox ultimately received 8.5% in box office receipts. And I think Watchmen was a pretty decent uh, success at the box office, being an R-rated movie. Um, I, I don't know how much they made, but it wasn't like, like a bad. complete failure.
2: It it grossed worldwide $185,382,813. Okay.
0: Its budget
2: was... Um, one thirty million. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So it like I have IMD bl- IMDb. IMDb <laughs> no, pulled my good. phone, so I was looking at Zack Snyder's. Yeah.
0: yeah, I always go to bo- uh, Box Office Mojo. Um, yep. Yeah. But yeah, so like it, it kind of wasn't Kinda a success, made, but yeah, they definitely it, se- it did definitely didn't
1: yeah. do as well as they wanted it to. So right, right. So it was
2: no Batman Begins.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, And we can talk about a lot of complaints about why. The film didn't have a lot of success and why i think today and at the time it came out the the film was really divisive uh among the people that saw it it was like it felt like it really was one of those movies that you either hated it or you loved it
0: let's um, well let's jump into that but i want to hear that list of people they were yeah. considering because yeah, yeah. yeah i learned about that just a couple months ago and i was like Whoa! So let's yeah, let's yeah, do let's, that and then talk about like yeah, sure, sure. our impressions of the movie.
1: Let's see here. Okay, casting rumors over the years. So uh, for Sally Jupiter, uh, Sigourney Weaver was up for it. Uh, I thought Carla Gino played her pretty well, but Sigourney Weaver would have been pretty epic. Um, now the uh, the list of names for Rorschach we have John Hurt, Robin Williams, Daniel Craig, oh my God, Simon Pegg and Sean Penn, Awful Rorschach. Uh, and those then for are, Dr. Manhattan, oh, yeah, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, those are very different actors <laughs> yeah. to be considered they, for the yeah. same character.
0: I wonder who did the cat. I'm going to look up and see who did the casting for the movie. Yeah, go, because, go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah.
1: yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then for Dr. Manhattan, uh, we had, of course, already Arnold Schwarzenegger and Keanu Reeves. My personal favorite, who I thought would have been pretty amazing as Dr. Manhattan, is is Dolph Lundgren um oh yeah that would have been a sight to see um for the comedian we also have uh some pretty big hitters as well we have tommy lee jones gary Busey. um that would have been pretty sweet ron perlman and one of the vegan police thomas jane so
2: interesting uh, all of those would have been cool i think like these are
1: some like some of these actors are would have been pretty awesome to picture uh, in that role we also had nathan fillion who was considered for both night out two and comedian uh for yeah, silk specter
0: he oh, would not ahead, have man. been a good comedian he's oh, like yeah. way too nice
1: yeah.
2: but <laughs> yeah. he would have been a great uh night owl i think I, yeah he
1: would have been a really cool night owl
0: the uh real quick eric um there is screen footage online of ray stevenson and ian glenn were you gonna get to that Oh, Do you no, know about I didn't, that? I did so have you that can case. go online and watch um the the scene where uh what is Night Owl's name? I can't remember. Dan? Dan? Dan Dryberg. Yeah, sorry. Long day. He he comes into his house and Rorschach's eating beans, and Ian Glenn, who plays Sir Jorah on Game of Thrones, was was they were doing like a uh Test footage with him wow. as Night Owl, and I was like, "Whoa, he would have been a, out of be everyone crazy. you mentioned." I was like, "I think he would have been a, be- a the best Night Owl out of everyone." Yeah. And then Ray Stevenson, like he's been in a ton of stuff. I don't know Jackie yeah. Earl Haley. I think him and Patrick Wilson are the are the best performances. Okay, yeah. Um, I was I was I really like Patrick Wilson. I don't think I've ever seen anything where I didn't like him, but he can just play this nervous but but then like brimming to aggression um right he can play that so well and he's just so unassuming um as dan dreiberg and watchmen
1: I agree with that as well i feel like 95% of the cast uh for the the watchmen movie was was cast perfectly um but real quick the the last couple ones um for silk spectre 2 uh, I, I think any of these actresses would have been better than what we got. Um, no offense <laughs> to any Malene Ackerman. Is that how name? say her name? I think so, name? yeah. Uh, we had Jamie Lee Curtis, Hilary Swank, Jessica Biel, and Hilary Duff. Ooh. Ooh. All, all very interesting. Jessica Biel. Yeah.
0: That's who that I would have gone sweet.
1: with. And then lastly, uh, for Ozymandias, we had Tom Cruise and Jude Law. And I, my personal pick for that, Jude Law would have been pretty epic. As
2: yeah, I agree
1: um i
0: really like i really like uh what is his name the guy the guy who played him he's in Stoker. matthew good, matthew good. Yes, i could not yes, remember yeah. yes. i i liked him in that movie and i was reading about how about his backlash or how the fanboys quote-unquote right had a backlash to him because he was like younger and and he Didn't apparently like the look and feel exactly yeah. and apparently on the press tour they were like hey you're like younger like he and he was the only one apparently that sat, Zack Snyder and Christy Carlson the uh, casting director wanted to cast different everyone else was like hey we want to get as close to the comic book as possible mm. but then with Mandias, they were like let's go a little bit different a little bit edgier and he said look I think it worked I think Matthew Good said I think it worked I think the movie will age really well but apparently on the press tour he was like those fanboys can suck my dick like he told he like said that publicly and, nice. he, and i was like i just appreciate i appreciate that
1: uh, attitude from him well <laughs> i feel okay. like watchmen fanboys and star star wars fanboys are the same people
2: they're the also the most annoying what? Why? why uh, do they have to make it political
1: oh, God.
2: oh my goodness that's a but, great okay. that's a
0: great transition into uh 2019
2: one, <laughs> one more thought before we transition it makes sense to make that character to make Adrian Vite different because in the movie, what he does is different than what happened in the comics. Yeah. So it makes sense that he's the one that's, that's different. So, so anyway, true. anyway, do you have any thoughts so, about
0: the movie, Olivia? Because you watched it for the first time recently. I had yeah. seen it years ago. Eric has seen it multiple times.
2: So here's the thing, Eric. I'm, I am sorry. I have, this was my third attempt to watch it. And it's the only time I finished it. Now, in my defense, the first two times I tried to watch it, it was late. It was kind of later in the night. I was tired. I also was in the middle of grad school. So I think all of that just was not a good combination. I didn't understand a lot of the, the characters and their dynamics. I didn't know what was going on. So it took me three times to watch it. I liked it. I didn't like that they changed it at the end because everything else about the movie is spot on to the comics. like copy and comics. paste. Yeah, which was fine. Fo- I'm fine with that. Like, I, I didn't have any issues with that. I, I even, like, as I was watching it, I even thought Zack Snyder did a really good job of paying attention to the comics and making sure, like, this movie stays true to the comics. And then I got to the ending, which I knew was going to be different. I knew that beforehand. And it was just so different. And, and. I don't know. I it was it was not it was not as bad as I think everyone else made it sound to be. Right. Um, what I really liked though was the opening credit scene. Oh, I don't know no why word. that was. I love that oh. so much. It's so good. But so, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you guys reacted that way. I thought it was incredible. Uh, I was like, man, Zack Snyder should do something like this for all of his movies. Huh? I
0: have a I have a thought about that. Um, this and it kind of like it's like Zack Snyder and just thinking about what he went on to make most recently, mm-hmm. Justice League like condolences to him and his family for that really, really tough period in their lives. But just, you know, I was listening to a podcast, uh, it's called the cinephiles. It's really good. And they were doing 300, which I started, but did not finish. It just wasn't for me. Um, but they were talking about how like Zack Snyder and there, there's a connection here in all of this. So I'll get to it. Zach Snyder Frank Frank Miller, who wrote Dark Knight Returns, which was another like graphic novel that kind of along with Watchmen shot up into like redefined what graphic novels and comics could do and it could be considered like art and high concept and that kind of thing. Zack Snyder brought all these um like Frank Miller wanted he and Alan Moore both feel the same way about their work being adapted. um mm-hmm. Frank Miller was really impressed with the way Zack Snyder made it look visually just like he drew and wrote it for the comic for 300. Let me be clear. And so then it it just makes sense that a Zack Snyder would be enamored with Watchmen, this like pantheon of work. Um, it's way obviously way better than 300. Um, and that he would go on to make it shot for shot, except for the end, um, mm-hmm. the way the the way it is in the comic books. And people hate that it's like it's like taking the he's making it beautiful, like the slow motion and all that stuff. And it's like, I didn't have a problem with it this time. I could understand why people do. Um, but I don't know what do you guys think about about that? Like that's like one of the biggest complaints.
2: That he he made it... He made actually, like the
0: violence beautiful.
2: I, I, yeah. don't yeah, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, I
1: don't have an issue with that. When it comes to... like, I, I really don't think that uh, the when people compare like a book to a movie or a TV show or whatever, it's all different ways of telling stories and there's not really a, a right or wrong way. They really shouldn't be compared at all. Some stories are better told on paper and some are better told through a television screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think one way is th- there's a definitive way uh, or to say one is what is better than the other uh, they should be viewed separately is how, how kind of how i see it
0: definitely yeah. in the case of hbo so Olivia, yeah, right. you yep. want to kind of
2: yeah so so last year hbo released the watchman min- miniseries which is set in 2019 uh which is the year it came out in obviously and it is essentially it's it's a sort of like a sequel to the comics. Uh, basically, it takes place 34 years after the events of um, the ending of the graphics graphic novel. So it is about this cop who whose name is Angela Abar, played by the incredible Regina King, and she and her husband live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and. When you watch it, it is it is kind of confusing because it's all these new characters and you're really not sure what's going on. And there's only a couple of characters from the series, the graphic novel, that are in the HBO series. So just kind of how this show got developed, uh, it, it was something that they wanted to make it a TV series shortly after, I think, the movie came out. And... It was reported in October of 2015 that HBO and Zack Snyder were in early discussions of of adapting Watchmen into a TV series. And then a couple years later, it was reported that Damon Lindelof, who ended up being the showrunner and the producer and the writer of the series, or one of the writers of the series, was asked to develop Watchmen into a series for HBO. They, at this point, it was June of 2017, they were both HBO and Lindelof were in the middle of finalizing a deal. And it was also reported that at this point, Snyder was no longer attached. I mean, at this point, he was doing other things, such no. as... <laughs> <laughs> so...
0: Let's hop in the TARDIS, guys. I'll jump back. <laughs> uh,
2: so this was also around the time that The Leftovers was ending for Lindelof. And this was the third time HBO had asked him to, to do this series. And he... He, if you read any interview with Lindelof or any listen to any interview with him, he will say he loves Watchmen. He watched, he, he, he listened or he read the graphic novel as a kid when he was like 12 or 13.
0: Like when it was coming out in issue, yeah. which is, yeah, like, I, yeah. I was like, whoa,
1: that's crazy. Yeah. I saw something where they reprinted Watchmen in like 2005, and there's like a quote. You know they have like quotes and stuff from people. There's a quote from like Damon Lindelof saying like one of the greatest stories ever told, and this was like in 2005. Oh really? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, he he's a big big fan, and that he he wanted to do it justice whenever he did if he ever did this series. Uh, So around this time, the third time he'd been asked, like I said, leftovers was ending for him. Uh, He had also read this article called Between or he read Coates Between the World and Me and an article written by Coates called The Case for Reparations. And this was also a lot of things were happening at the same time. It was kind of a I don't want to say perfect storm because a lot of the stuff was not great. Uh this was also around the time that it was a that, storm. It was a it was a storm. Uh that guy who was a neo Nazi drove into the protests in um Charlottesville? Charlottesville. No. Is it Charlottesville? Yes, it's Charlottesville. Think, yeah. Um, it was shortly, it was not that long before this happened that the Charleston church shooting happened. And so, so Lindelof was asking himself, what is the big cultural anxiety? And he said, to which he answered that question with a reckoning is happening. He was, he was talking about of course, racial issues in the U.S. and and that is the big cultural anxiety right now, and, and it still is. I mean, as you guys have seen this summer and throughout this pandemic, that has been a big issue. I mean, it has been forever. Uh, so he he saw that people were questioning how Klansmen at the rally were not wearing masks uh, at this rally in um, uh, Charlottesville, and he had an idea of what happens when you mis- mix a mask with the administration of law. And that's kind of how sort of how the story developed for the mini series. Uh, he said he, he refers to the watchman as holy text and he wanted, <laughs> he said that the only way he can answer um, the only way he can like really actually answer the question of, of what his big cultural anxiety is and like what he can do with the watchman is that he felt like he owed the watchman something and that this is his way of repaying his debt so so going forward this was something that he wanted to do to kind of pay back what watchman has done for him and it took him two years to write the series and as far as like how it ties back to the graphic novel in a lot of ways it's really an extension of the graphic novel i mean would you guys say that as well
0: yeah i i mean sure. on here it says iteration but uh it
1: or I'd on our on our master doc but it's a it.
0: yeah continuation of the that universe i would say
2: yeah and i mean it hits on it it, it hits on similar themes which we can talk about as well and um, incorporates characters you you hear characters from that they mention uh from the watchmen series and it also um incorporates characters we see we see agent Blake Laurie Blake who was the second silk spectre then we see Vite and spoiler alert but we later see Dr. Manhattan uh there is a whole uh group of people who are called the 7th Cla- cavalry which wear Rorschach masks. And I think it's important to understand the character of Rorschach and why this alt-right sort of modernized version of the KKK take on that symbol. Don't you, I, don't you do you guys agree with that? Do you,
0: there was, I felt a little bit more strongly about how, you know, Rorschach, um, what am I trying to say? Like, like, in the in the in the movie, he's in the comic, he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's like looking for the truth. He finds the truth. he gets killed for it. spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, but and so it it makes sense And in in the the theme of you know the movie and graphic novel is like there's so much like there's so much to life and there's so much pain, and there's but there's goodness too, but it's mostly pain. Mm-hmm. And it's everything's kind of meaningless. That's kind of like the thesis statement when you boil down Watchmen. That's how mm-hmm. Alan Moore sees the world. Damon Lindelof sees the world as like you take something good and you create, or or you you take what you have and make something good. Like in the second to last episode detailing, uh, or maybe the third to last episode detailing Doctor Manhattan's story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so it's like, it's this world where like, there's truth, but truth falls into the hands of the wrong people, which is what I see happening with Rorsch- um, the people who hold on to Rorschach's journal. Like, there's a conspiracy, we think he was killed, like, we believe that this was his journal. Um, so it makes sense, but it it doesn't really glorify Rorschach as a character, because Rorschach would have kill- probably killed that uh when he tells that story about like we don't make or god doesn't make the world this way we do we're evil and he tells a story about how he killed that dude who like murdered the little girl Mm -hmm. i think he would have killed that dude whether or not that girl was black or white and like he may have been like kind of like racist or whatever but i don't know that's just that's just my opinion
2: he i i think he was i think he was racist there were there were definitely moments in this in the comic book series that I remember thinking, "Wow, Rorschach, Rorschach kind of sucks because he's saying all these and, and he he because he says things about women and about uh, minorities and, and it's just and I think he thought he was a good person because but he saw everything so black and white that mm-hmm. that anything that was not quote unquote right whatever right means to him they're they're a bad person and I don't think it necessarily is about race but I think a lot of it came down to race Mm -hmm. which I think is is the issue now in in the show but also in our current climate is and I think in the show the seventh calvary or the 7k would say this isn't like we are being wronged for these things and so Mm -hmm. we are going to avenge whatever and make it better and I think that that's kind of this same mindset Roy had but that's just my opinion. I don't know if that's right.
0: Yeah. I mean I mean we'll never know because he got imploded by uh, Dr. <laughs> no. Dr. So
1: man, that was crazy.
0: Um Eric, you have any thoughts? We're gonna wrap up here in a second.
1: Uh, no, I don't really have anything else to add on top of Rorschach. The wars and
0: the liars, and I won't save them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that that right there, like Women are whores yep, for having sex. He does. Sex.
0: He's. I think he
1: says whores a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. He calls women whores all the time.
1: Did and- you know? Uh, fun fact: Rorschach and Doctor Manhattan in the movie are the only characters to not use a curse word. I did not. Yeah. Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's crazy. Interesting.
0: Uh, um. Okay. Well, let's wrap up real quick. Um. Final questions. What are your favorite? iteration or what's your favorite iteration of watchmen mine is the show which is what we did not spend the most time on in this episode but it is the show what about we're you gonna
2: guys? we're gonna spend several episodes talking that's true about it. uh mine's also the show
0: it's just it the story damon lindelof That was the other thing the fight scenes in um the fight scenes in the movie don't do much for the story it like i was like let's get on with the story i don't care about the fight scenes and there're like almost no really big fight scenes in the hbo show it's like just the story and you're just captivated the whole time i think that's i think he understood like i'm not going for for punching and shooting and slow motion getting thrown through plated glass that kind of thing so
1: yeah i'm gonna have to go um after rewatching both the show and and the movie very recently i'm gonna have to go with the show as well mm-hmm. i just think there's just too much too much story in the the original Watchmen comic and graphic novel to fit all into even a three-hour runtime of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so there's I definitely see some faults and agree with a lot of people uh, when it comes to the movie but i think the the the, the tv show is just super storytelling and you can tell like everyone that was involved with it, like put in a lot of effort to to tell the story that Damon Lindelof had.
0: It's sublime, yeah. really. I will HBO say this.
2: Series. I will say this one last thing. Lindelof said that no no movie could ever be better than Snyder's. He he praised Snyder's work, That's and he cool. knows yeah. he knows like there's that that is as close as we're gonna get to a a incredible like no no new movie is going to top it so he praised snyder for that
0: totally credit where credit is due i was just really impressed again whenever i saw it for this only the second time after probably 10 years um i watched the movie again a couple of days ago and i was it is i it is definitely Zack snyder's best movie hands down and i think i think i think he is responsible for a ton of it i think he is also he had um Lawrence Gordon as a producer as well, and he was a producer for Die Hard, Die Hard Two, Guild of <laughs> Dreams, Hellboy, Hellboy Two. Oh dang! Wow, he had he had a
2: it sounds amazing like amazing producer, yeah, yes, a really, good really 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 good producer, yeah,
0: in yeah, team. So
2: unlike um, Justice League,
1: unlike Justice League. <laughs> anyway, so sad. So
2: sad.
0: We cider cut. We're we getting
2: won't. the cider cut though.
0: Yes. Release the Snyder Cut. I'm excited. I'm
2: excited.
1: excited It'll be the reason why I get HBO Max.
0: Zack Snyder, you got a W. He did. Favorite character.
2: Favorite character.
0: I'm going to, I wish we could talk about this more. Maybe we'll continue this into episode two. My favorite character is Dan Dryberg. Like, I feel like I am Dan Dryberg. Partially because, like, I see myself in him, but also, like, just this kind of helplessness, like (laughs) apathy that I very often fall into being kind of vulnerable, but yeah. Favorite character.
1: Okay. Mine. Uh, not probably not surprising. I love the comedian, um, (laughs) (laughs) the comedian and looking glass. I really love both of those characters looking glass. His, his backstory and the reason Mm -hmm. he became like the detective and everything is that whole episode was so good with, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, uh, how he—that's that, his name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, yep. Uh, his, his whole uh, portrayal of Looking Glass was so good. Uh,
2: I'm, I'm gonna go Angela Abar. I think she's awesome. Sister oh, Night yeah. is just badass. She's, yeah, she's a badass, and she's awesome.
1: The nun with the mother effing gun. <laughs> I'll say, Watchmen, the TV show, has like one of the greatest love stories
0: ever. Oh my word! Oh, I can't wait to discuss gosh. that in a couple yes. Of weeks.
2: Yes. Wow. Okay. All right. We got it. We
0: are over time. So we're going to wrap it up, Eric. Thanks for joining us again, man. It's always a pleasure.
1: Oh, I'm glad you guys invited me back. It was was always a pleasure talking to you guys.
0: Our next episode, we're going to be covering, um, the theme of racism. It will be very heavy. Um, but we're gonna, we're going to tackle it with sensitivity and just look at what the show has to say about that and what the subtext says about our current climate as olivia alluded to earlier
2: all right well we just want to thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode please rate review and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast and share with your friends family and anyone who likes movies and or watchmen this is
1: rorschach signing off from conway arkansas
2: this is olivia signing off from oklahoma
1: and eric signing out from no North, North, arkansas. give me back my <laughs> face
0: no <laughs> if there is a god he doesn't make the world this way we do Really a great quote i say that quote a lot
2: how does that how is it received by other people
0: <laughs> they they cock their head and walk the
1: opposite sideways direction. sideways look
2: no, all right we'll see y'all later bye
0: bye